0: SECTION 26 OF KENTUCKY'S FAMOUS FEUDS AND TRAGEDIES BY CHARLES G. MUTZENBERG This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. KENTUCKY'S FAMOUS FEUDS AND TRAGEDIES BY CHARLES G. MUTZENBERG SECTION 26 BLOODY BREATH IT, PART 3 GOVERNOR BUCKNER'S REPLY COMMONWEALTH OF KENTUCKY, EXECUTIVE OFFICE February eighth, eighteen 1889 Honorable H. C. Lilly, Judge, 19th Judicial District, Irvine, Kentucky Dear Sir, Your letter of the fourth instant reached me yesterday. You seem to impute want of good faith on my part in offering to attend you to the Breathitt Circuit Court, this charge on your part is based on the erroneous and gratuitous assumption that the adjutant-general had doubtless informed me that it was your intention to hold the breathitt circuit court on the regular day the adjutant-general informs me today that he did not himself know that it was your determination to hold the court and that the remark you made to him on the subject left him in the belief that you had not reached a determination as to what you would do in the premises You wrote me that you would not hold court in Knot or lecture, and in your conversation with me gave me no ground to believe that you had concluded to hold the court in Breathitt. My conclusion was therefore logical and necessary that you would not hold the court. Your assumption that I knew that you would hold it is therefore entirely erroneous, and the decision you reach in consequence of this assumption is fallacious. You ask me a number of questions in your letter, but as you proceed to make replies to suit yourself and to reach conclusions favorable to your own views, you spare me the necessity of giving them any response. I limit myself to stating what alone is relevant to this question, that having concluded that there was no necessity of sending troops at great expense to the state, I offered to accompany you so that if my views should have proved erroneous, i would have been on the ground to have called to your aid such assistance as may have been needed as the session of court was to continue during three weeks and as you could have taken your seat on the bench at any time during the term there was ample time after writing my letter for you to have reconsidered your determination if you had been at irvine where i supposed you were and to which place i addressed my letter to you and to have gone afterwards to breath it long before the term of court should have closed. So far from knowing that it was your purpose to hold court, I had not the slightest idea that you would do so, until I learned after the adjournment of the court that you had held it. I am gratified that you did so, for it was a demonstration that troops were not necessary for your protection in like manner there would have been time for you to have made an interchange with judge little by telegraphic correspondence if such had been your desire you seem to charge that i have aided and abetted criminal classes by declining to place troops at your disposal in breathitt county and attribute to their absence the non-conviction of criminals if their absence produced such a result in breathitt county their presence at your court in perry county should have produced according to your logic a large number of convictions but i am advised that the result was the same in both counties we must therefore look for some other reason than the presence or absence of the military to account for such uniformity of results i believe myself that the court is and ought to be an important factor in the administration of justice and that the presence or absence of the military should have no weight in its decisions and ought not to influence its actions you ask why i throw the whole responsibility of making an application for troops upon you it was because you were the judge who made the application who demanded protection and averred you would not hold court unless i sent guards along there was no one else with whom the responsibility could be divided and as you must have acted from your convictions of duty i do not see why you should seek to avoid the responsibility or desire me to place it where it does not belong i have no criticisms to make in reference to other judges who have asked for troops or in reference to judge finley who you say failed to attend certain courts these were occurrences under former administrations and were doubtless considered by the executives of the time in light of facts which i do not pretend to know much less will i offer my comment upon the grave charges you insinuated against another judicial officer in connection with the breathitt court but I cannot refrain from expressing regret at what seems to be the manifestation of feeling on your part, which does not impress me as strictly judicial, but, notwithstanding this, I beg you to rest assured of my desire to support your authority in every way that the executive can do, consistent with the public welfare. I have no objection to your giving the fullest publicity to your letter. Respectfully yours s b buckner the last feud in breathitt county during which the most horrible assassinations were committed was the hargis cockrell markham callahan vendetta the hargises and the cockrells claimed that the name is a misnomer that no feud existed capulet once said the montagues are furnishing all the trouble and we are only innocent slaughtered montague said the capulets are making the war we are only defending our lives and property an apt quotation here a political race first engendered the bitterness which led to the murders narrated later on in this race the democratic candidates were elected at least declared to have been elected their ticket was headed by james hargis for county judge and ed callahan for sheriff The Fusion Ticket, which was defeated in Toto, contested the election, alleging fraud. At that time, one J.B. Markham and O.H. Pollard were partners in the practice of the law. Markham had accepted a fee for the contestants, the Fusionists, and Pollard for the Democratic contestees. Markham and Hargis were said to have had a difficulty about a year prior to this contest, BUT THE BREACH BETWEEN THEM SEEMED TO HAVE BEEN HEALED. MARKHAM HAD BEEN ATTORNEY FOR THE HARGISES FOR A NUMBER OF YEARS. IT APPEARS THAT DURING THE TAKING OF DEPOSITIONS IN THE CONTEST CASE THE FIRST OPEN rupture OCCURRED. WHAT ACTUALLY TRANSPIRED HAS BEEN TOLD IN CONFLICTING STORIES. IT SEEMS THAT MARKHAM, POLLARD, JAMES HARGIS AND ED CALLAHAN WERE IN MARKHAM'S LAW OFFICE. THEY DIFFERED IN REGARD TO SOME TESTIMONY OF CERTAIN WITNESSES, AND NEARLY CAME TO BLOWS. PISTOLS WERE DRAWN BY SOME OF THE MEN, AND MARKHAM ORDERED EACH AND ALL FROM HIS OFFICE. POLICE JUDGE CARDWELL ISSUED WARRANTS. MARKHAM AT ONCE SURRENDERED AND PAID HIS FINE. HARGUS DECLARED HIS REFUSAL TO APPEAR BEFORE JUDGE CARDWELL, WHOM HE REGARDED AS AN ENEMY and had so considered him for years he therefore surrendered to magistrate edwards a personal friend a controversy arose as to justice edwards's jurisdiction in the matter the dispute threatened to create still further trouble to allay which mr markham moved the case against judge hargis to be dismissed which was done here starts the war in making the arrest of Judge Hargus, the town marshal Tom Cockrell, assisted by James Cockrell, his brother, were said to have drawn guns on Hargus, and that only the intervention of Sheriff Callahan prevented the two from killing Hargus. This the Cockrells indignantly denied. They asserted that in making the arrest of Judge Hargus, they had used no more force than was necessary. Hargis swore they would pay for their audacity in drawing a gun upon his person, and he made good his threats—that is, others did make it good for him. Numerous unsavory charges now began to be made, first on one side and then the other. Markham at one time charged Ed Callahan with assassinating his uncle, Captain Bill Strong who was shot from ambush in front of his home in either 1898 or 1899. Callahan, in turn, charged Markham's uncle, the deceased Captain Bill Strong, with the assassination of Wilson Callahan, the father of Sheriff Callahan. Each faction charged the other side with the murder of someone. Shortly after this occurred, a pistol duel between Tom Cockrell and Ben Hargis, in which the latter was shot and killed on the spot. The two had met at a blind tiger saloon in Jackson and quarreled, with the result that both drew their pistols and fired upon each other. Before Hargis sank dying to the floor, he had succeeded in seriously wounding his antagonist. The Hargises at once began an active prosecution of Cockrell, and kept it up. Dr. Cox had married a kinswoman of the Cockrell boys, and had also become their guardian, both of them being under age. The Cockrells were also related to Markham, who had volunteered in Tom Cockrell's defense for the killing of Ben Hargis. Markham also was an intimate friend of doctor Cox, who practiced in Jackson and vicinity. Not long after the killing of Ben Hargis, another brother of Judge Hargis met his death at the hands of a man charged by the Hargis clan as being a cockerel man. John Hargis was the man slain. Tig was his nickname. He was killed by Jerry Cardwell. Hargis had boarded the train at Jackson on his way to Beattieville. Cardwell was the train detective. It is claimed that Hargis had been drinking and became disorderly. The conductor in charge of the train asked Cardwell to preserve the peace. As soon as Cardwell entered the car, Hargis sprang to his feet and drew his gun. Cardwell and he fired simultaneously. Cardwell was wounded, Hargis shot through the heart. The Hargis clan always claimed that the killing of John Hargis was the issue of a well-laid conspiracy with the Cockrells at the bottom of it. They attempted to connect them with the shooting, but nothing ever came of it. Dr. Cox, guardian and kinsman of the Cockrell Boys, and J.B. Markham, their cousin, were intimate friends and frequently discussed the foreboding aspect the community was taking on. Rumors came to them frequently now that they were marked for assassination. At first, neither Dr. Cox nor Markham gave them much credence. Finally, about the 1st of April, 1901, Markham went to Washington on business. While there, Dr. Cox was assassinated markham was convinced that he too was marked for death the proof in the case shows that dr cox had left his home about eight o'clock one night to make a professional call the conspirators had for many nights been watching his movements he had almost reached the corner of the street diagonally across from the courthouse and directly opposite judge hargis's stable when he was fired on and he fell dead riddled with small shot after he had fallen to the ground the assassins fired another volley into his body and easily escaped there was persistent rumor at the time of the killing that the shots had been fired from hargis's stable but witnesses were afraid to swear positively about anything indictments against parties for the murder were not returned until some time afterwards it has been told that judge hargis had been heard to laughingly say after the fall of dr cox great scott didn't he bellow like a bull when that shot hit him while people in town entertained their own opinions as to the guilty parties but refused to express them the Cockrells openly charged hargis with complicity and of having hired the assassins that committed the cowardly murder and maintained seemingly with good reasons, that Dr. Cox's only offense had been his friendly relation with the Cockrells and his interest in the defense of Tom Cockrell on the charge of the murder of Ben Hargis. The next victim of the assassin's bullets was Jim Cockrell. He was murdered in 1912 in broad day from the courthouse jim had been active in collecting evidence for his brother in his coming trial for the ben Hargis murder rumors had come to him that he would be killed if he did not desist he continued however and ignored the warning by this time the cockrells markham and many other residents of the town kept closely within doors at night no one traveled the streets without a lantern this might have been some protection for absolute neutrals, but must have been only an increasing source of danger to those who had grounds to fear for their lives. Confinement at home was therefore the best and the only reasonably safe policy. Cockrell was shot at noon, July twenty eighth, 1902, from the second floor of the courthouse. He was standing on the opposite side of the Temple of Justice, talking to friends, when the shots were fired that took his young life. He was not dead when taken from the street. He was hurriedly removed to a hospital at Lexington the same afternoon, where he died on the following morning. Cockrell was the town marshal at the time of his death. Curtis Jett was later on indicted for the murder, together with others, and convicted, but not until after the death of Markham. Was it that these prosecutions were set on foot? Markham had repeatedly declared before his death that he had ample evidence to prove that Jett and two others fired the shots that killed Cockrell, and that the assassins had remained concealed in the courthouse the remainder of the day, and made their escape at nightfall. Jett and Cockrell had been enemies for some time prior to the murder the week before the two had fought a pistol duel in the arlington hotel's dining room neither was wounded friends interfered and the affair ended without arrests being made curtis jett was a deputy sheriff under ed callahan captain john patrick a fugitive from injustice as he put it went to lexington and there gave out a statement to the effect that he, one Mackintosh, and others had seen and recognized the Cockrell murderers. Patrick then left the country, but offered to return and testify if sufficient protection was afforded him. He did return and testified in the succeeding trials, although he dodged the officers sent after him for some time. Mackintosh was taken before the grand jury, but refused to testify he was remanded to jail for contempt of court and remained there for four days when finally he made up his mind to talk he testified that he knew nothing whatever of the matter in the meantime jim cockrell's brother tom had secured a change of venue to wolf county to be tried there for the murder of ben hargis the trial was to take place at campton Cockrell was taken there under an armed guard of twelve men. He was himself given a gun for defense. End of section 26